This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals. The information presented is for general educational purposes only and should not be used as professional medical advice or for the diagnosis or treatment of medical conditions. The views and opinions expressed do not represent the views and opinions of our employer or any affiliated institution. Expressed opinions are based on scientific facts under certain conditions and subject to certain assumptions and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to the diagnosis or treatment of medical conditions or in any legal proceeding. Full terms and conditions can be found at portablebeads.com. And now onto the episode. Howdy and welcome to Portable Beads, the pediatric board review podcast. We've got another great case for you on GI and I'm Ryan. I'm Sam. So let's jump right in. So a 12-year-old male presents to the emergency department for fatigue and lightheadedness. On exam, he's noted to have hepatomegaly, along with a corneal abnormality on slit lamp examination. Initial lab work shows decreased hemoglobin and a negative Coombs test. The patient is admitted, and the diagnosis is eventually confirmed with two disease-causing mutations in the ATP7B gene. Which of the following lab abnormalities would you expect with this disease? So this is a decreased, increased answer choices. So if you need to look at the answer choices in the show notes, you can read them there, but I'll try my best to make this work in an audio format. So for A, it's all three are decreased. So decreased serum alkaline phosphatase, serum ceruloplasmin, and 24-hour urinary copper excretion. Is it B, decreased serum alkaline phosphatase and ceruloplasmin, but increased 24-hour copper urinary excretion? Is it C, decreased serum alkaline phosphatase, but increased serum ceruloplasmin and 24-hour urinary copper excretion? Is it D, decreased ceruloplasmin, but increased alkaline phosphatase and 24-hour urinary copper excretion? Or is it E, all three are increased, increased alkaline phosphatase, ceruloplasmin, and 24-hour urinary copper excretion? So again, if you need to review it, it's in the show notes with all of those answer choices written out if you need to look at it. So let's jump back to the answer choices. So the correct answer for this question is B, decreased serum alkaline phosphatase and decreased serum ceruloplasmin, but an increased 24-hour urinary copper excretion. So this patient's presenting with Wilson's disease, caused by the accumulation of copper in the body. There are many symptoms that can occur in patients presenting with Wilson's disease, and much of that is dependent on the age of the child, since it's due to accumulation over time. Because of this, it's very uncommon for children less than one year of age to develop symptoms. So in patients who are over two years of age, they can begin exhibiting hepatic symptoms, including incidental findings of increased serum transaminases, hepatomegaly, fatty liver, and can eventually lead to more severe hepatic presentations, including acute liver failure, portal hypertension, and decompensated cirrhosis with ascites. Typical age of onset for hemolytic anemia is over seven years of age, and this typically presents as a Coombs-negative hemolytic anemia. This can sometimes be the initial presentation of Wilson's disease, like in our patient in the case, and can sometimes be precipitated by infection or drugs. The buzzword, though, that you're probably familiar with with Wilson's disease are Kaiser-Fleischer rings, which are corneal abnormalities caused by copper deposition on the decimate membrane of the eye. This might not be seen if the child's asymptomatic or has mild liver disease, but if present, though, it can be seen on a slit lamp exam, typically after 10 years of age, and is almost always present if neurological symptoms are present. 
That leads right into our neurological and psychological symptoms, which typically present after 15 years of age. These can include dysarthria, dysphagia, mood and behavior changes, handwriting deterioration and incoordination, resting and intention tremors, gait disturbances, and this is just to name a few. There are plenty more. But when it comes to making the diagnosis of Wilson's disease, there are multiple societal guidelines which approach diagnostic criteria slightly differently. So there are three different organizations that have released guidelines on the diagnosis and treatment of Wilson's disease. So the American Association for the Study of Liver Diseases, or AASLD, released initial guidelines in 2003 and then updated them in 2008. Next, the European Association for the Study of the Liver, or EASL, published guidelines in 2012. And finally, the European Society for Pediatric Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition, or ESPGAN, published recommendations for Wilson disease diagnosis and treatment in 2018. And there was a nice article that kind of compiled all three of those recommendations, and all of those are in our references. But Sam, you want to talk about these kind of recommendations and guidelines? Absolutely. So the AASLD uses clinical and biochemical parameters for diagnosis. These include Kaiser Flusher rings on slit lamp exam, serum ceruloplasmin, and 24-hour urine copper. The other two organizations, EASL and ESPGAN, use the Leipzig score for diagnosis, which also considers neuropsychiatric symptoms, Coombs negative hemolytic anemia presence, liver copper levels, and ATP7B genetic mutations, in addition to the factors considered by AASLD. The Leipzig diagnostic criteria allow for highly likely diagnosis if patients have a score of four or higher, typically with one disease-causing mutation mixed with clinical and lab criteria. However, if patients have two disease-causing mutations, that automatically makes it highly likely that they have Wilson's disease. Now to jump back to our case, this patient has multiple diagnostic criteria using the Leipzig score. He has kaiser Flusher rings, which is the corneal abnormality that's seen on slit lamp exam, Coombs-negative hemolytic anemia, and two disease-causing genetic mutations in the ATP7B gene. Based on this, we would expect the patient to have other labs indicative of elevated copper. First, alkaline phosphatase is typically low, which is thought to be due to zinc deficiency. Second, ceruloplasmin is a copper-carrying protein that binds to circulating copper. It's low in neonates, increases over time in childhood, then decreases slightly during puberty. Because of this, ceruloplasmin is not diagnostic under one year of age. It is typically low in Wilson's disease patients, but up to 20% of patients can have normal ceruloplasmin concentrations. Finally, urinary copper excretion is typically increased during a 24-hour collection. This can be augmented by giving a chelating medicine, which we'll talk about next week, that increases urinary excretion. So that'll wrap it up for this week. Next week, we'll talk about the treatment of Wilson's disease. So thanks, guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Happy studying! Happy studying!